Welcome to Tuke Talk, a video podcast by the band Tuke, and brought to you by Blackfrog Media. We chat with the best in the music industry from yesterday and today with a focus on the good old days of Canadian rock. This episode originally streamed live on Tuesday, February 16, 2021 on Facebook Live. Now, here are your hosts, Todd, Brent, Shane, Corey, and Darren. Hold all my calls. <laughs> I've got water today, but it's a oh, damn it water. water. Damn it, water. Oh, it's the damn best it. water. And my coffee's on its way. Well, it's technically tea today. I'm like been drinking coffee all morning. It's time hey, everybody. To- How's it going? Hey? Hello. Hey, everybody Hello, in TV land. Did you watch Indeed. Ted Lasso yet, Todd? Because speaking of I tea. I haven't watched Ted Lasso yet, no. Then I'm not going to tell you anything. But because you like tea, you need to watch Ted Lasso. <laughs> Yeah, that's funny because so the the premise of that is he's an NFL coach who ends up teaching a soccer team. Is that what it is? Well, that's even ambitious. No, he's like college college in the Midwest. Yeah. Right. So he ends up over in the UK and, you know, with a Premier League soccer team. And it couldn't be more the opposites, you know, disaster waiting to happen. But the the show is so lighthearted. It's a perfect show for right now. Uh, Corey, I don't know if you know what we're talking about, but no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Jason Sudeikis. Uh, SNL you know, guy. He actually, yeah, he started it about five years ago as a, a bit on NBC, and it was just a comedy bit. And then they were like, "You should turn that into a show." But uh, uh, Lawn Friend had tipped me to it uh, recently. Oh yeah, he goes, "You just Ted Lasso. That's all you got to know. Just watch Ted Lasso." I'm like, "Okay, no, no premise." And then Chrissy and I jumped in, and it's it's fantastic. So yeah, I heard. I've been hearing a lot about it. It's uh, I'm not surprised. He's really really good today. Because what's and, it on uh, Netflix or is it? It's an Apple, Apple thing. Yeah, oh, which okay. is all. Apple has the morning show with Stephen Carell and Jennifer Aniston, which is supposed to be really good. I haven't seen that yet. I I'm watching that too. A while ago, yeah, yeah started, I just I started it. it. Is that an good. audio only podcast then, or no? no, it's, no, no they, it's, they've got like their it's a Apple, show. Apple it's a show. TV channel, yeah, their TV show, yeah, okay. yeah, legit, legit movie stuff. Yeah, actors. <laughs> right, yeah, nice. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Um, so, uh, how's everybody doing? How's the week? Again, um, uh, Shane is uh, MIA. He's still uh, conflicting schedules, so um, hope to get him back. Anytime. He's working. Nope. He's working on his liquid embroidery project. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that liquid no. embroidery? No, <laughs> I have no idea what that is. What the hell so, is that? Back in the eighties, or even maybe the late seventies, there there was the, these kits that you bought. Probably along the same line of wood burning. Remember the wood burning sets we used to have? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. That Except, was- when they Except felt was, that seven-year-olds could get a like a yeah totally like why would they do that with kids right I mean yeah. how many kids got burned anyway liquid embroidery was just these tubes of paint and you get every color in the rainbow and you had to hold them straight up and down because there's a little ball it's like like paint inside and then you just did these like paint by number kind of things on these sheets of of weird uh, like k- kind of velvet or some kind of fabric interesting mm. wow liquid embroidery. I'm sure there's a lot of people in the uh, audience that know what that is. I, it, really, I, it really seemed to stick around anyway. It's, 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 yeah, it's, it's, it really caught it's a household <laughs> item now. Actually, if you look on eBay, you can find the, the paints and everything still. No so way. They're wow. probably all dried up. I can't imagine they would last this long. But Hilarious. I had my whole room was full of liquid embroidery. Anyway, that's wow. what Shane's doing. Yeah. <laughs> that's specifically what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> I assume he's full of kiss posters. Well, there you go. That mine too. Yeah. I assume it's I assume Shane fights crime. 
He, he might be fighting Brian. Yeah. Guy, yeah. yeah. Mm. Now mine's just full of guitars. So there you go. And stuff. And Star Wars nonsense. And apparently a yeah. Batman mask. Yeah. That's, nice. Well, that's, that's a recent addition. Yeah, what, happened, what happened to the uh, the werewolf there? That it's under there. It's it, the werewolf is wearing a Batman mask. Oh, it's, oh. It's, oh. Yeah. ah, it's bat, it's bat can werewolf. you wear that? Can you wear that Batman thing? The it cowl? doesn't fit my head. No, it doesn't fit your head. No. <laughs> I think it might be for children. Somebody gave it to me. It was, like, I was not say, for Neanderthals. All these masks that don't fit. It, the first thing you do is no, it doesn't well, fit. Todd's giant size, so there's probably very few masks that fit him. That's true. That that <laughs> helmet does this. Oh, does it? Oh, it does yeah. really. Okay, cool. but it's oh, but it's cool. been it's kind of janky now because it's been moved a few times, so it's kind of stormtrooper. You're how you'd definitely be the guy that hit his head coming through. You'd... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Yeah, actually, you'd be a perfect Wookie. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, not exactly. Not quite. Those guys are like, <laughs> something. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good imitation. That's pretty good. Um, week's been going well. Everybody doing all right? Yeah, busy nothing as nice, always. Nothing, exciting to report. Nothing really. No. It's nice been, weather. Let's report. Yeah, nice I know. How yeah. has it been there, Darren? Yeah, cold. Cold. It's Today just gorgeous I, here, man. The last mm-hmm. few days, it's been like I go out in the yard, you know, or, or just go out for a walk, and I kind of bundle up because I'm expecting it. I'm like, what? Oh my god! I'm down yeah, to a yeah. t-shirt. I'm like, oh my god! And I feel so bad for my friends back home because they're going like shaking their fist, you know. Well, you know what the thing is, is that I mean, you can't complain. It's not like you didn't see it coming. You know, it's like no. people that live in trailer parks and wonder why they get hit with a tornado every year. I mean, yeah, it's it's you know, <laughs> it's yeah, part of the deal. Always, you know, it's it's this winter in Canada. You have to just know what's coming. So it's we've been part actually, of it. We've been pretty blessed because it's been pretty mild. We had two week stretch, and then now, believe it or not, it's supposed to be plus one next week. So that's right. Amazing. Okay. I mean, you know, what that are you going to do? Coming through. Get that Chinook. You guys Chinook, get, don't get yeah. Chinooks, do you? Does well, Winnipeg get more, Chinooks? That's more of an Alberta thing, yeah. But uh, it's a mall. Specifically, yeah. It's a mall. We got, we got them in Saskatchewan. <laughs> did we really? Yeah, we did. I only remember hearing about them in Calgary. Now that we, we got the, the residual effects, but maybe they didn't make right. it as far to Manitoba. <laughs> as if, I, I always kind of laughed at that. It's three degrees warmer than it was yesterday. Now it's only, you know, 40 below rather than 40 <laughs> I mean, I don't think it matters until it gets above zero again. I mean, that's... Yeah, exactly, yeah. You know, the difference between minus 48 and minus 45 is not warmer, so... No, thank you. No, it's all good. But, uh, yeah, no, other than that, it's, uh, again, nothing going on here. I mean, other than uh, usual, so... Absolutely. I did a 13-mile hike this past week. That's awesome. Pretty pretty epic, yep. How long does that take? Uh, that was, you know, we started at like 1030 in the morning and got done before the sun went down. So like five, five, PM, you know, with a lunch break and breaks here and there. Smoke break. Smoke break. <laughs> <laughs> Smoke like while you're a player. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so when, you do, when you do these hikes, do you just go out and hope to find or do you know where you're going? I have an app that's pretty epic. I can actually draw out the route that I'm going to take. And it tells me exactly how far it's going to be. Oh wow! And and then I can actually, you know, stick to it. But although the trail helps you stick to it, so it's not like I'm going in the back country or anything. But Chain I mean, a lot life, of these chain life hiking too. Does he have that app? Maybe that's where he is <laughs> <laughs> doing liquor, liquor, liquid embroidery in the forest somewhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's lost in the woods somewhere. We should probably send somebody search party. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, I always find like, I mean, because you 
never dare go hiking into the wilderness, you know, in without knowing where you're going. Well, yeah. that's true. Yeah. No, I, I know where I'm going. And a lot of these trails, I just, uh, you know, I've done a million times and this, this one I just did, I linked a whole bunch of trails that I do in shorter amount of time. And, uh, and they're proper trails too. You're not just, yeah, they're proper trails. Yeah. Wandering off into the woods or something. No, you know, and, and a lot of, you know, every, every couple of miles, you'll see a house. So you know where you are and you know, it's LA. So, so it's not like it's complete wilderness, although you can go towards uh, big bear and it's total Mm -hmm. wilderness. So totally. And it it is LA. So, you know, any house you come across, you know, that you can just go bang on their door and they'll take you in. Yeah. Yeah. Come on in. Hey, (laughs) (laughs) like small town, Saskatchewan. (laughs) Hey, coffee's on. Yeah, no, not quite. All right. Enough chit chat. And I see, all right. uh, We totally went against. I'm the only one wearing a hat. I thought we were all supposed to be wearing hats today. Oh, do you know, here's part of the irony. Do you know where the name men without hats comes from? Which I think is really the irony of, of us being Took. Took being a hat you wear in the winter. Um, men without hats, the, they got the name, at least he can, he can correct me if I'm probably paraphrasing entirely, but is, uh, about being in the freezing cold winter and refusing to wear a hat because it, you know, messed with your your look or you know your style. Why messed you know, up your hair, right? So they were they dubbed themselves without before it was a band. As far as I know, they just dubbed themselves the Men Without Hats. I thought that was hilarious because I remember being in like freezing cold winter and refusing to wear like anything. You know, a jean jacket on, like Absolutely. trying to look cool, yeah. freezing your ass off. We all did that I mean, in high school in Canada, right? Because totally. you wouldn't ever wear or like ha- Halloween. You know, like come on. I mean, what's yeah. the point of getting a costume, right? So jacket yeah. wide open. Yeah. yeah. I got to show up the t-shirt I got at the concert yesterday or whatever. God forbid if you actually zip up your jacket. (laughs) (laughs) You're a nerd. Yeah. Yeah. Now now it's like as soon as there's a breeze, I'm like, (laughs) out comes the hat. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, uh, I thought that was actually really, really clever that they, uh, that they came with it. Well, so yeah, I sh- we don't even need a guest today because uh, Todd. Uh, I'll just I'll just give all my men without hats <laughs> yeah. uh, knowledge that I know. That might be the brunt of it, but uh, uh, this guy is is a legend. He is uh, uh, he's been uh, the fact that they've actually formed the band in like seventy seven or something that was mind blowing. Looking mm-hmm. at these notes has been really illuminating. Um, but great band, achieved many great things. Still going, still awesome. Please make some noise from Men Without Hats, Ivan Doris Chuck. Yay! It's a, a four-man applause. Apologies, I know it's <laughs> not the biggest crowd, but as I said last it's week, I played NHL game now with no. Audience. I played smaller crowds than this, and they didn't clap either. So there's that. <laughs> how are you? So how how long? It, how how? There you go. Is that a Pink there, Floyd cup? It's a Pink Floyd 40th uh, anniversary of Dark Whoa. Side of the Moon. Wow. Or is it? Or is it a Prism cup? <laughs> <laughs> That's a different Canadian band, yeah. So how long have you been on Vancouver Island now? Almost 20 years. Wow. Wow. So what brought you uh, that far west? The weather. Oh, God. Yeah, good point. We were just talking about yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. If, if you're going to stand against wearing a hat in winter, you might as well go out to Vancouver, right? Exactly, exactly. I was just explaining to somebody yesterday how how that sort of 90s grunge look was just basically guys who rock and roll guys living in places like Seattle dressed for winter, you know, like it was just like your rock and roll guys, but your hair's all stringy and you kind of got kind of like lumberjack stuff on because it's freezing cold and it's like became fashionable. It's like, but the, uh, compared to where we grew up, we grew up in Saskatchewan. Fitz grew up. These two guys came from Winnipeg and you came from Montreal. That's all cold. Yeah. You can argue what you, both my parents are from Winnipeg. So 
Oh, are they really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. So it all comes back to Winnipeg. It all comes back. It always does. It always does have some Winnipeg reference. So that's awesome, Ivan. So your 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 family. You actually were born in the states. Is that what I understand? Yeah, my dad got his master's and his PhD at the University of Illinois. Wow. I was my brothers and I were born on campus, and then he got a job. He got a job teaching at the University of Montreal. So we moved there, and that's where I grew up. That's amazing. What was so, his PhD in? In physiology. Oh, so wow. Was, yeah, cool. Was, amazing. Wow. And your mom was a opera she, teacher or something? Yeah, she taught, at, she taught at McGill University in Montreal. She taught voice. She was a, a voice teacher for 25 years at uh, McGill University, the English University in Montreal. Wow. Amazing. So I, I guess you got a lot of proper training then at a very young age. We did, yeah. I, I studied piano all my life. So oh, wow. I, I was ready when the... Uh, when the synth boom came. It's right. amazing to me because the other thing that's really interesting about, about your history is the fact that you played with your brothers in a band. I played with my brothers in a band. Corey played with his entire family as a family band. Wow. So it's a really interesting connection, the uh, discovering music and that kind of connection with, you know, with blood. Yeah. People don't, yeah. It's a whole other thing, isn't it? My dad did the same thing with his father. They played in a small town, Manitoba, Pine River or wherever it was, and uh, they would back up the local. You know, guys would come through. Guys, you know, pretty pretty famous names would come through, and they would they were the backup band for for anybody who was traveling through, coming through, playing that area. So, wow, you had uncles. So when you and the brothers started out, was there sort of like he'll be you all kind of played piano and whatnot? But was there anybody playing drums or guitar, or was there any designation that way, or? Well, Colin, Colin was uh, the guitar player. Colin self-taught himself on guitar. Okay. I played, I played the piano and and did the singing. Stefan studied violin, so he switched to bass, four strings type of thing. So sure, he <laughs> he just grabbed it, you know, went to the bass and um, and that was it. And we we did our first show. We we it was one of Stefan's friends. Stefan was going to a music Marionopolis Music College in Montreal. And one of his buddies from school was a drummer, and so we, Paul Muskella, so we we just got him on board and did our show. That's great. So, but this is, we're talking like way pre the synth things that you guys found. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was, this was just a guitar band. Yeah, this was 77, 78. Wow. So you guys, you guys were kids, really. Then. Yeah, yeah. I told my parents, it was the beginning of punk rock, and I told my parents not to show up because... It was this thing called punk rock and you know <laughs> it could get out of hand and you know people might be throwing stuff so i didn't want them i didn't want them coming you know and so about halfway through our set i'm going i'm you know i'm into it i'm singing and i look towards the end of the back of the room and there's an exit there and i see two little heads poking in the door <laughs> my, mom, my mom and dad they'd snuck in they kind of peeking through the back door just to get a look at us Oh, that's great. Yeah, they were there. Always, always parenting, right? Making sure yeah. things go right. Well, how could they miss that, all three boys? I mean, they'd yeah. have to see that, yeah. They were there. That's awesome. <laughs> so then you played keyboards, because we, you know, in the videos, we always see you as the front guy, right? Yeah. Um. So on, on all the recordings and stuff, you did all the keyboard uh -huh. stuff. Is, is that right? Okay. Because, yeah. yeah. uh, I mean, it's all epic. All the stuff that is hip now, like Stranger Things, all those TV shows with those 80s kind of soundtracks, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt they went to Men Without Hats for the sounds because 
all that stuff is what they're trying to recreate now, right down to the drum. Just look at know. the weekend. Look at the weekend. You know, he's like yeah. totally that guy oh, yeah. up to mm-hmm. his eyeballs in the eighties. You know, yeah, that's a big thing now. The the actual seeking out those um, vintage sounds like that. You I know, they're kind it. of uh, and well, it must mean it was good. Must mean yeah. that those totally. sounds are still holding their own because everybody's trying to recreate them in some sort of you know instead of using an authentic keyboard it's all it's all in our computers now but all those sounds are on every new record it seems yeah you can call that stuff up on i'm sure Corey can find that stuff no problem i think we i think uh, ivan's in outer space right now oh he, he froze we'll talk around him until he kind of resurfaces Hopefully he'll. Maybe uh, he's just very interested in what we're saying. He looks yeah. like it. He looks <laughs> yeah, like he's he, gonna. He's really listening. What you're about what you're saying and tell you that you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. it is funny because we've had this conversation about keyboards a lot. Because Corey, when we're recording and stuff, we'll 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 be like, "What about this crazy '80s sound?" And I'll be like, "How yeah. did you find that? Did you go out to yeah. a pawn shop and find this insane old keyboard, or did you, uh, you know, yeah. is it more a case of just being able to recreate it? How do you recreate this, or do you actually find them?" Well, I use, you know, I use soft synths, so they're they're not the old keyboards cuz that would be hard to do um, right. to, you know, to find those keyboards in working order. But yeah. there's this uh, collection called Arturia that mm-hmm. make all the old synths and the, you know, they sound a lot like them and if not exactly like them. Uh, so that's what I use for a lot of the two stuff, but yeah, I mean, oh, he's back. back. Is he back? back? Yeah, all right. I've Welcome welcome that. to the internet. It's it's always something. Oh uh, my my! I was I was worried about today. We've had a big storm here. We had a big huge storm this we this uh, this weekend. And we had one here in we had well, one here in Vegas last week. Fitz, um, I don't know if you knew that, but like a ton of of uh, power went out in the whole city. Yeah, we lost our yeah. phone all day yesterday, and well, oh. uh, lost my landline, and uh, wow, and then we lost. And it was really funny because. I lost my Latin line 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well done. Ivan, was there any okay. keyboard that you couldn't do without back in those days? Well, the original sound from the, uh, from all the stuff I was doing, my main keyboard, the, the one that I would stand by, play live behind was the Yamaha CS50. Ah, okay. Mm. And, uh, part of the CS50, CS60, CX80 series. And it was a, you know, great. It was real, real oscillators, like four oscillators. Wow. It weighed about a thousand tons. It was just like <laughs> heavy. Oh, wow. It was about, you know, about the, the weight of a Hammond and a Leslie. It was, it was just incredible. It had, it had, a, it was built into a case. And so the whole thing with the, the lid of the case was wooden. The bottom was all wood. So you had this big wooden lid on it and then metal legs that, you know, bolted inside the, the lid of the case. So the thing weighed about a ton. Amazing. But, did, it, did it have presets in it? Uh, it didn't have any presets. Well, it had, you know, sounds. It was like an organ type of toggle switch, those, those, those switches there. And... Um, but you couldn't, there was no memory. There was no, like you, you could create a sound, but as soon as you changed it, it was gone, you know? So, oh yeah. Hmm. So, so it's gotta be rough because then when you record something and then you take it to the stage, you're kind of getting close to the sound that you had. Yeah. That right. Yeah. It's, it was, it was all pretty you know, rudimentary back then. I tell you. 
I never <laughs> thought of that. So you're actually creating a sound for the studio, and then you have to kind of somehow recreate it yeah. in the live setting. Wow. I never yeah. thought of that. Yeah, huh. there was there was barely there was no don't hardly any synthesizers had presets. The CS eighty, uh, that was the feature of the CS eighty that the it had I think two presets you could save. There was a panel that lift up, and there was little sliders that you sort of you made your sound on, and you could you could save two sounds on it. Amazing! Oh, wow, that was uh, fantastic. I actually, I actually had a um, I met the guy who invented Logic. The software huh. logic and he started out the way he started out was by making something that could back up your synth in the old days and that turned into him selling that ability in the local music store which eventually turned into creating logic that you know yeah. one That's of the world's biggest uh, recording platforms right now well, yeah, well our keyboard player alan mccarthy at the time he had a sync clavier a lindrum Mm. And, and a little, I don't know what kind of computer he had, but he, he managed to hook everything up before wow. mi pre-MIDI. And he worked on it for so long, I felt really bad for him because I, mean, I think the day after he got it all done, MIDI came out, you know? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it was all like with big, like those, those huge strip connectors, you know, those, those yeah. big that things that, that you bolted in at the back. And, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was, it was it was pretty wild. It was a wild west back then for sure. So what was the introduction to the synthesizers and the keyboards and all that thing? Like which, which groups kind of turned you guys onto that? Well, I was always into progressive bands like Genesis. I saw, I saw Genesis with Gabriel like a long time ago and I was sure. really, really into like just since Pink Floyd. I, 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 all those bands were, those were the bands that I sort of being a keyboard player. Those were the, the, those were the ones I was, I was drawn mm -hmm. to. Sure. Yeah. I've, al I've always said that, that, that new wave music was basically a combination of progressive rock music and disco. Yeah. It was, it yeah. was synthesizers, synthesizer music with a, with a four, four the disco beat, yeah. you know? Totally. Yeah. You could dance to it, but it was, you know, if you want to. Yeah, if you want <laughs> you to, dance. Yeah. you can dance. You watch right in. That's perfect. Well, well, well done. Well yeah. done. Well and, done. Uh, That's why I'm here. Yeah, so in the uh, in the early days of the group, is it uh, on stage? Is it you're not really like you're mostly in a keyboards, a drum a drum machine type thing. So you kind of because it's interesting when you look at that wave Depeche Mode groups like that, where it's like no guitars on stage, keyboard player, front guy, drum machine. It's, it's a whole new revolution that's almost, again, oh, kind of yeah. like, like, you know, it's like people are expecting it to be like these guys with guitars. And then it's just like, oh, wow, it's a whole new thing. Yeah. Well, I was front and center for the disco thing, too. So I understood what, you know, a loud drum did to, to, to a crowd, you know, loud beat, loud, good bass. You know, like I grew up like at the Limelight Discotheque in Montreal and... and it was like they had like just like the you know the biggest sound system in Canada basically you know and so, sure yeah so I'd be there just hearing these tunes you know just pumping out these tunes and the thing with disco music is it was the players I mean the music you know sometimes sucked but the the players were really good too oh, all, of course yeah all these jazz musicians you know that's like yeah that's how they made their bread you know then they could all go sure. up and do heroin and play jazz you know but, uh, <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. with their disco money 
that's it. Epic bass lines. So it was great. You know, that's it. Awesome bass and just the drumming and just percussion was always great. And so I, I understood that. I was, you know, having coming from disco and then. So I knew like rhythm boxes, like guys would laugh at us. We were, you know, we'd play in these little, you know, clubs, go into the club and, you know, and the guy, where's the drummer? Oh, he's, this, this is the drummer. <laughs> yeah. And then we'd turn it on, pump it through the system. And, uh, you know, like we'd leave them doing their Tom Tom checks, you know, like <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we would it just kill. Like we, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd kill every band we played with, you know, because we started off with a chord. We started chord. off with the, the Roland CR-78. And then a Korg, an early Korg machine, also with just presets, no, no memories, no, no, you couldn't make any, any of your own beats or anything like that. So basically there was all those songs are just beats that we found on the, on the machines. The Lindrum came when we recorded Rhythm of Youth. Mm. So the first, first EP was done with just preset and then the Lindrum came, you know, we, we, we used the Lindrum one, the, the, there was, there's two versions of it and mm. we used it. The first one on Rhythm of Youth, and then the, by the second record, we had this. We had bought the second Lindrum. It gets expensive when you're a keyboard sort of oriented band, right? Because it's always something new. Every day, every day. Yeah, yeah. Crazy, amazing. Yeah, they're but, always reinventing and upgrading and coming up with new stuff, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. But you know, it's 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 whatever. It's fun. I mean, it's it's a good. Uh, yeah, totally. Guitars. I'm looking at all the guitars behind you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, <laughs> I don't it, feel too bad. <laughs> no, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Corey's sitting there going, "Must must get expensive playing keyboards." Look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm a guitar player, but I love keyboards, and yeah. I love all those old sounds. I love those old old arpeggiated things. Yeah. And uh, so I can geek out about that all day, but and you well, guys we, certainly, you know, pioneers of all that stuff is amazing. Yeah. yeah. Early I grew up listening days. to Kraftwerk. Bands like Kraftwerk too were very influential to me. And, uh, very, yeah. The German, the whole German scene. Good thing about growing up in Montreal was that we we got a lot, lot of European influence. So we got we sort of had an inside track on the Euro European music scene, and it was always we were always listening to stuff that people in the rest of Canada I don't think had caught on to that you know so soon. Not like at all. Genesis was playing like the Montreal Forum and then going to New York and playing like the bottom line, you know, or something like that, you know, playing some, yeah. some, some little 200 seater in, in, in New York, you know, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Montreal was way, way more accommodating to that kind of, you know, yeah. ambitious, more ambitious music for sure. Yeah. You know? It was the yeah. same thing with the local scene too. The local scene was a lot, a lot more ambitious because the, uh, the there was no there was no record industry in montreal it was all in toronto right and so when i was when we were starting off we could do anything we wanted because that we knew that there was nobody in the back of the room with a big cigar and a contract waiting to sign us you know they were right. all in, they were all in toronto looking for another spoons or another parachute club or another Corey hart right. you know Mm. So, so that the bands in Montreal and also Montreal was like New York in the way that everybody went there, everybody in Canada, kind of every musician kind of had to go to Montreal to, for, you know, for a little while, you know, just to visit or just to, you know, hang out for a bit. And it was, it was, so Montreal was full, full, full of, of musicians from all over the place, you know, it was, and it was a great melting pot of ideas and styles and people, you know, it was, it was cool. It was good. That's New York, awesome. That's why I compare what? it to New York. New York's kind of the same thing. Was totally. it kind of a family environment? Did everybody know everybody kind of thing? Or was it yeah. like... Yeah, it was. It was. It was. And 
especially at the beginning, the whole punk new wave thing. Like we were, there was one bin in the record stores, punk new wave, you know, and there, all the records were there that didn't fit in with the, with, with what else was going on. And it was kind of <laughs> like that. It was kind of like that, you know, when, with the pr promoter, the guys who would book the shows, they were just booking bands who couldn't get booked anywhere else, you know? So we'd end up, we'd end up on a bill with the you know, hardcore punk bands and, you know, techno bands. It was all, it was, and so everybody kind of knew everybody. Everybody was, and it was it was cool, and like I say, there was a lot of different people. A lot, you know, people from out west, people from out from out east. It was just just a big good mix of people. It was mm -hmm. good. So, yeah. what was your in entry point into the big time, so to speak, where it all you know you got your deal, I suppose? It was after the twelve inch, the remix that went number one on on uh, on the Billboard dance chart. Hmm. Wow! And we didn't. Oh. have an American deal. We were in we were in the studio halfway through the second record. We were, we were mm. super happy. We'd had a, like a, a kind of a top twenty single in Canada, a couple of top twenty singles in Canada. We'd released the record in you know ten or twelve countries. We were stoked. We'd got enough money to make a second one. We were like super happy. We were like you know just making our second record. And uh, and then somebody said, hey, you got to do a twelve inch. So we said, okay, we'll do a twelve inch. We went and did a twelve inch sent it off, went back, kept, you know, working on our record. And, uh, the 12 inch went number one on, like I said, number one on billboard dance charts. And so then we had every American label and just knocking at our door. Just, we had to, we had to yeah. just pick up the litter. That's so great. It's so great when so they come to that's you. Kind of how it went. They yanked us into the studio and we went, went and went on the road. Right here. Yeah, it was, it was cool. Like, but like I say, we were so, happy already. I mean, we, we thought we were the Kings already, you know, so. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they well, let you finish the second record the way you wanted, or did they step in and like direct it? Oh no! By then the shit the shit had hit the fan like in the bucket loads. So we finished the record, and the the, the label actually dropped us after oh. after safety. Dance. Yeah, really? Yeah, after wow. safety. Dance? How yeah. could they do that? <laughs> well, that makes no sense. They, they it completely makes no sense. But that's the way that the that's the way it works. It has same thing yeah. happened for Pop Goes the World. Is that right? So, well, you yeah, release an everyone single, then get dropped. That's usually <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, the record business is not made of like yeah, you know, logical people. Those guys yeah. are smart, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. 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 Not just a single. So much going on at that level. Yeah. There's just so much going on at that level. So many people. You know, there was a, there's like a there's a there was a I don't know if it's still there, but in Billboard magazine there was a, a sort of a a section every every week in Billboard. That was just about the employ like the executives that were changing record companies, oh. and it was called the executive turntable. <laughs> right. And you know, by the time you, you know your deal, you're making your deal. By the time you make your deal with the label, the guy you're making your deal with, he might change labels. He might be at, at the competition, and so you get you get to sign your deal, but nobody at the label wants to talk to you because they don't want to touch you. You're the hot potato that the other guy left behind. So they, <laughs> you know, it's, mm -hmm. there's so much going. Yeah, that's that's the record industry for you right there. One oh one. And yeah. it's almost it's almost better now, although bands aren't making the same kind of money, but it's almost better the way that YouTube has it now where you can do exactly what you want and and uh, you know, you can broadcast to the same amount of people or more. 
uh, and you can do what you want, and then that middleman is sort of taken out of the, the picture. Full isn't control. It? Yeah. Full well, control. yeah, it, it's turned back into basically the punk rock model of you make your music and you market it and you just sort of, you know, it, at least there is YouTube and and different yeah. uh, places you can put your music and and uh, you know, and it really is about live music, but. Yeah. A lot, Not more currently. <laughs> a lot more intensive on the actual listener having to go through and find the, the quality. I mean, as opposed to, you know, the 80s where you here's what you're listening to today because this is what we're just going to be pushing down your throat, right? As a, you know, from an executive perspective. And you're not aware of however many other bands are out there doing something you probably like to. But now it's the exact opposite because, like you said, Corey, with YouTube, anybody can put something up. Doesn't mean it's all good, right? No, I know. There he is. He's back so again. Here's, here's a good little comment. I'm just noticing on the comments, but Dave Bedard, uh, our friend from Winnipeg, had uh, something to say about the you know, similar narrative to Sheriff having a hit in Canada and then, of course, having a big hit in the States. And, uh, and then when the U.S. discovers it, everyone in Canada keeps hearing it on the U.S. shows. So, And yeah. I, I think we all know that, you know... Uh, not every Canadian band, a lot of them, most of them don't get that, that lucky break in the States, mm -hmm. but clearly having, you know, men without hats, very like to this day, like lasting power of a, a hit song, you know, like just to yeah. have that is, says a lot. So. Well, and that says a lot too, because we've often talked about number of bands that people don't know where they actually originated. And I think, mm -hmm. You know, yourself included. I mean, there's probably a lot of people, I know myself included growing up, didn't even know that it was technically a Canadian band, right? So, yeah. I mean, you know, because you hear... Well, we had the, sorry, we had, we had the men at work kind of mix up too. Everybody thought we were from Australia. Oh, that's oh, right. Really? Oh, yeah. I yeah. can see that. Well, that's cool. <laughs> the yeah. men bands. That's so it. Did that, yeah. that help you in any <laughs> sort of way down in Australia? Or does that <laughs> Australia, I tell you, Australia, I don't know if you guys have ever been there, but I, oh, yeah. I went there for the first time in, in my life a few years ago. And it was the first place I got there. I said, I could live here. I could. I yeah. Could, oh, yeah. I would. Yeah. You know what? It's, Can it's Canada with good weather. <laughs> it kind of is, yeah. isn't it? And People beaches. were awesome. The place was, yeah, exactly. Beaches everywhere you go. The people were so friendly. It was just, just great. It's, it's fantastic. Good. And they're but good it, music. I, I'm pretty sure Men Without Hats have, you know, a lot of fans down there. We always find, like, a lot of our friends, uh, you know, Todd and I have been there. Corey's been there many, many times. You know, yeah. you know, you mention a band like Loverboy, some Canadian band, they go, we love Loverboy down yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they had a good time in the 80s, Australia. There's a lot of... Yeah. You know, most of the Australian bands that you know are from the 80s, you know? Absolutely, know. yeah. When I was down there, that's all there was. I love Split Ends. That was my yeah. favorite band. Well, they're yeah. obviously New Zealand, but you know, yeah, yeah. from the uh, oh, the other the other Australia. Yeah, yeah. To, to, to us, it's not a big deal between New Zealand or Australia. Now, just have that conversation yeah. with a Kiwi or an Aussie; they'll they'll yeah. they'll set you yeah. straight. Yeah. <laughs> the relationship between the big Australian between, pop culture spike due to like the whole Crocodile Dundee thing too in the eighties. In the eighties, yeah. You know, like, I mean, yeah, I think exactly, American, yeah. you know, yeah. culture was you know brought into uh, the whole Australian culture thing by, uh, by what was happening in, in movies and music for sure. Yeah. Totally. So was safety dance out of the box massive? Cause it seemed like, and it seems to this day to be everywhere. Like, it's like, you know, when you play that song, 
I, I hear it in clubs, you know, they'll be doing some kind of remixy type things where they mix in songs. The safety dance comes on and people go crazy. And I'm like, it's so great to see that, you know, that it, to have that kind of longevity, not just safety dance. But I'm saying, did it, was it an immediate kind of obvious hit or was it, or was there sort of a building process in that? Well, we, we actually, we didn't release it first. It was our second pick off the album. We, we released the song called I Got the Message first, which we thought was, was, you know, the obvious hit off the record. And, you know, Safety Dance, we, you know, we, we were into it, but it was, it, it wasn't even our first pick. So, um, you know, after the 90s were over, that like, like the, the, you know, 2000, from 2000 on, it's just been a steady build. It's just been sort of the, the glee thing really sort of spurred on a new generation of, 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 of people listening to it and stuff like that. That really gave it a, a good, a good boost. And, but it's just like it, just the, you know, the, everything, you know, the, the Simpsons, Futurama, all these, all I these, know. Yeah. All, all, all those shows, it's a touchstone in, in pop culture that, that, that yeah. inevitably kind of comes up. It's so yeah. exciting to see. Yeah. That's why I say sometimes, sometimes like the song is bigger, like way bigger than me. It's way bigger than the band. You know, sometimes I feel like a curator going around yeah. the world and just presenting like this museum piece. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I'm often wondering awesome. too, I mean, is that something that you as an artist are grateful for in the fact that, I mean, I hate when people use the term, you know, like one hit wonder, which you're obviously not because you've had multiple, but when a song, like you said, becomes bigger than the band, is that something that you're okay with? Or are you, you know, is oh, it totally. Kind of- I'm blessed. I'm doubly blessed. You know, it's, yeah. it's uh, I've, people ask me if I ever get tired of singing it. I look forward to singing it. You know, it's like, I, every time I sing it, I, I, I just, the people, the people in front of me just make it so worthwhile every time we play. So it's, it's, we're getting sure like generational too, right? Like you said, you see people now; their kids are coming, and everybody, kids, you know, like grandkids, yeah. like they're this, like you know, that's it's really quite. I'm, I'm like I say, I'm blessed. It's the yeah. magical thing about music is that it, it mm-hmm. you know, it will outlive us all. You know, these songs yeah. will, you know, will all be long gone, but safety dance will be still. Someone will be dancing to the safety dance, or pop goes the world, or where the boys go, or you know, all those kind yeah. of things. It's like it's great I, to have that that sense of immortality via music anyway. Yeah. It takes a while. I mean, to get used to, I mean, I, I remember at, at, at the beginning when we went out to tour pop goes the world and I would get really mad if the poster had made any reference to safety dance, you know? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so it took it, you know, as you guys, you know, you guys know how it is. And it's just like your, your new song is always your best, you know, it's, yeah. it's, always, it's like the next one coming is always going to be the best one. Yeah, and so it took me a while to just get used to it, the fact that that was it, and this is, you know, and and so now I'm completely done with it. It's fine, you know. But I remember at the beginning, it was it was not the same feeling at all, you know. Yeah, I could see that though, because it starts to cast a pretty big shadow over anything new you're trying to do. Exactly, and you're, you know? and you're still making quality music, and you don't want it to be overshadowed by the fact of something you've already done and already celebrated. Mm-hmm. Pop goes the world was a massive hit too, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It is. It is. Yeah, it's, it's it's like a big soccer chant too, like in in South America and places like that. And, it's wow. amazing. Is there any other song? I mean, pop song that ever mentions Bonhomme? 
other than that song. <laughs> you tell me. I don't know. I always, as a kid, you know, we'd hear that song. I go, did he just say Bonhomme? And then you see the video. And, 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 and to clarify, because again, we have people watching from all over I know, the world, yeah. you know, and they may not have seen the video, but, you know, make make reference to the big snowman, right? Is that what yeah, you're Bonhomme yeah. Is, a, is a character from Quebec who is a, basically a snowman, which yeah. I guess translates to the good man. Is that what he is? Is that yeah. what the, yeah. Yeah. See, yeah. I didn't even know his name. I always saw him on Sesame Street, but I didn't know who he was. Yeah, Bonhomme, yeah. Bonhomme. He's the mascot. He's the mascot for the Quebec Winter Carnival. That's, That's right. what it is. Yeah, That's because, right. was, because his name was Bonhomme and he was a drummer. I was sort of hoping people would catch the reference to Bonhomme. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well done. Well done. Well, they did. They do now. They yeah. Do yeah. Now. Okay. Because Johnny uh, plays. Johnny plays guitar and Jenny plays bass, and then they got Bonham on drums. That's right. Yeah. yeah. As the song <laughs> says. Yeah. It's genius. I Brilliant. watched. You need a T-shirt. I watched you, you talk. Sorry. Go ahead. What's that? I just. I thought a T-shirt with the Bonham. But it says bottom on the bottom or something. Oh yeah, someone <laughs> get on that. That's gotta happen. I watched Dave, you. Dave Bedard will make that right now. Boom. <laughs> and you anyway, watch what on YouTube? There's a this series called Behind the Vinyl, and I saw hmm. Ivan talking about this song. Uh, by the way, if, if no one knows Behind the Vinyl, everything that we talk about on Tuk Talk, this is all the same guests and talking about their their biggest songs, right? Mm -hmm. So check that out on YouTube, but. You said on um, Behind the Vinyl that um, Pop Goes the World wasn't actually going to be a song. No. Right? It was going to be an instrumental or something, right? Like, yeah, it was like a, like Popcorn or something like that. Right. It was, it was just, it was the last thing I'd written. I had, a, I had a demo ready. I had like 12 songs. And this was just like a little minute, minute and a half long instrumental, just the riff with my first ex-wife going Pop Goes the World with sampled her and, and, uh, and that was it. And so the, the the guy at the record company, Derek Schulman, who was also the uh, the lead lead singer for Gentle Giant, right, okay. right. And he was he was vice president of A and R at, at Polygram in in New York, and he signed the band. And he he got back to me and he said that last little instrumental, I want you to make a a full song out of it, and I want you to write ten more like it, basically, <laughs> and wow. throw out the other ones. Yeah, throw out your yeah, other songs. Yeah, just toss away the other ones. Just forget about the <laughs> other ones. Make a song out of that 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 last. Make the song out of that instrumental and write ten more like it. Wow! And that's basically what I sat down to do. That's that amazing. I moved to well, New York. That, that little keyboard line is so infectious. Mm -hmm. da, 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 that thing I can I can totally see that being like having heard that just in instrumental form would have been like, yeah, I would work broaden that out. Yeah. Yeah. So, that was wise one, of him. That was a case of a song where we knew it was going to be a hit. Sure, I must, I must admit. That's one of those melodies that even if you don't know who it is, you know you've heard it somewhere. Yeah. It's, just, it's, it's been you know implanted in the back of your head for so many years now. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So was the um, for a band like yourselves? I'm. I, I always I tell the story of how like a band like mine in the '90s having a hit song in Canada. Well, by the time you got to Montreal, you 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 kind of prove yourself through through this through um, Canada, just by having something playing on much music regularly. But you get to Montreal and you got it's a whole new ball game. You got to start from scratch. You have to, you know, win their kind of their kind of love. Mm -hmm. um, but for a band like yourselves, is Montreal embracing of 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 a local group going on to do so well? There was, 
it's Montreal has always been a, a, a you know a strange place because of the the, the languages the, the English mm-hmm. French the English French thing has always historically been been there yeah and they're not too crazy they have their own sort of industry a French you know music scene happening mm-hmm. they're not too they weren't too crazy back then about people singing in English to make a, to make a career. It was kind of like, you know, it was kind of like a, a brain drain, you know, like people leaving, leaving Montreal to go make it somewhere else in English. So they weren't, they even, I was even accused of a, being a French guy who sat, who learned it, who sang in English, you know, just like who learned English to make money kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so I can see that. Cause it is sort of like being called a sellout or something just because you, you, yeah. what, Singing in English would be a universally kind of more, you know, available type thing, I would imagine. Whereas the French would probably be fairly limiting, um, at least worldwide. Yeah, but I think once once Céline became who she is, mm-hmm. I, th- I think it's that's that sort of sentiment started to wane. It's it's not like that anymore. People in, are very very accepting of of everything. I've been back there like many times in the, in the last 10 years singing on French French shows and French TV shows and stuff like that and it's been it's been great. And I think Céline Céline is 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 responsible for that. Once she did it and made, you know, became the biggest star in the world, sure. You know, what are you going to say, you know, like Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Clearly she made the well, right choice. Yeah, yeah you, you know, know. You should mention Aldo Nova who was actually before Céline Mm-hmm. And Aldo, he was yeah. singing in English. Aldo had, and I know he was writing songs for Celine, but that yeah. was early eighties. So yeah. we got to give, and he had a hit in the states. So I think yeah. we we could acknowledge Aldo as having a bit of a a breakthrough for for a Montreal yeah. English singing. Although we know he's you know French, but so yeah. uh, there was Gino Vanelli too, and like yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Corey Hart. Corey Hart. Corey, Hart, Corey Hart was was always considered English. Corey Hart English, wasn't, okay. wasn't considered a French, you know, French mm-hmm. person. Although he speaks, he's perfectly fluent. He's married to a French, French Quebecois star. Yeah, and um, yeah. So, would you say that your mother tongue is French then or English? Well, my, both my parents are English, but I I did all my schooling in French, and I even mm-hmm. I went to university in France and. Uh, my first wife was from France. Hmm. Wow! So it's uh, it's I'm pretty French, you know. Like, I do <laughs> right? Is there, there any? Sorry, go ahead. I was going to ask if there's any parallels between because for those of us, whenever we go to like say Quebec City or any of the you know surrounding areas, it's the closest you'll get to Europe in North America. Is 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 going to like we always have this moment where we're like, wow, it feels like we're like in in a European city, um, but is there any can, like main major parallels other than the language from a Quebec to France kind of exchange? I froze. Oh him. yeah, I thought he froze. Okay, hey, Ivan's gone always, again. Bonhomme. You just we always find that when don't you guys agree when you do go to Paris or in France and we use our broken Canadian, mm-hmm. you know. French, uh, it doesn't go over all the time. Because they get frustrated with you and just say, just speak English. <laughs> well, <yeah>. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing how many different, like I, I have good friends of mine that live in Winnipeg that are from France and they find the same thing, even talking to French people 
within Winnipeg or even Montreal, you know, Quebec for that matter. I guess it's just, you know, the different dialects. So it's Spanish uh, is like that too, though. Cause I mean, like there's, you know, um, you know, Spain and then the South American and then the Mexican, it's like, there's different Spanish and, you know, it just kind of has different translations. The, the French in like Louisiana, like the Cajun French, do you know, right. Cajun, you know, Cajun, the word Cajun actually comes from Acadian. Yeah. That's right. The, the Acadian, uh, they they made their way down from Quebec to, from Quebec to Louisiana yeah. and created yeah. that whole Cajun Acadian Cajun. Yeah. Uh, so their French is different too. So it's it's yeah. fascinating. That's another place. Uh, that whole area down there has a European vibe too. The, mm-hmm. the uh, so that's interesting because that's something I didn't know. Because when when you think uh, somebody says Cajun cooking, I often think of Southern spicy. You're, so that originated in the north and and kind of migrated. I, I assume the ca- the Cajun cooking and all that probably is some sort of mixture of of you know the South and. And and French, you know what I'm saying? Right. Sorry, sorry, Ivan. I was just going on a long-winded question about um, the parallels between France and Quebec. Did you find? I mean, other than the language, obviously, but France is so awesome. Like, I mean, I hate to be that guy. It's such an obvious thing, but it's one of those places. Every time I'm there, I'm like, I'm getting a flat here. I'm gonna drink coffee all day and hang out. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, there's there's definitely parallels between between Quebec and, and Europe. Let's always say that was like I was saying before, that's what's responsible for the, you know, the sort of different music scene that that, that goes on there that that people listen to. I've got a question yeah. and, and some people have been mentioning it in the feed as well. And it's something I wanted to bring up. And now that I realize that you're okay with the song and everything that comes with it, a lot of artists have said that when Weird Al covers a song, you know you've made it. Hmm. Was that was that the case? You know, or are you is that fine with you? Or you? I mean, a lot of people have actually turned him down for stuff. But I mean, how does that? How does that? Uh, work? We were thrilled. I mean, I thought it was, that's that's kind of how how I felt too. I said, what you know, what else yeah. is there? You know, well, who else is going to do it better than him? <laughs> that's the best. Yeah, that's fantastic. Sh- we should we should all be so lucky, you know, to have like that means you've reached a level where someone like Weird Al wants to do a version of your song. Yeah, no, it's awesome. I was blown away. That's great. I can't remember what was his take on it. The Brady Bunch. Brady Bunch. Oh, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, <laughs> weird, weird combo, but it was. Uh, it was bizarrely uh, clever in and of itself. I mean, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Well, how did it? It, was, it says it was about all about television, right? Yeah. It's like you could watch Mr. Rogers. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty clever. Epic. Pretty clever. Speaking of that song, is that where did you guys do that video? Because yeah. I've always been entranced by that video. You know, it looks it's like, so cinematic. Yeah, it's amazing. Was, it's amazing. West Kington in uh, it's near Bath. In, oh, yeah. Oh, wow, of, it's the real deal. The real deal. It was. Uh, it was. It was uh, quite a trip. It was. Uh, I took the Concorde there and back. Oh wow! Oh, wow! That, oh, that, that was. The, it, right? is, that, is there a coach seat on that? it was was pretty cool it was how long is how long is that flight from london like to montreal on a concord it was from new york from jfk it was it was like i don't know it was like it's like half of what it usually is you know type of thing it was like a couple hours two and a half hours wow and why did they get rid of that it was too costly, I think. Is I think it, well, the last one blew up or something like that. Oh, caught but fire. That's why. Caught fire. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's really leaving. 
That's it's so amazing cool. to consider that you know that they, they just kind of like discontinue that idea and don't replace it with uh you know in all the advancements that it's still kind of like ah yeah. make them make them sit in the air for eight hours screw them it was like being in a jet though it wasn't like it wasn't kind of a soft smooth ride or anything like that it was a bucket of bolts when you're oh wow yeah i was, wow. was i was kind of surprised at, isn't uh, there like a sonic boom involved of some sort too yeah you go past the speed of sound so you kind of wow you're supposed to hear something. I don't know if I did. That's or not. so cool. Well, wow. it, it would be behind you, I suppose, right? Yeah. When the people yeah. on the ground would hear it. It was a free, <laughs> cham free champagne was clouding my, uh, yeah. my hearing. <laughs> As it should. As it not should. many people can say they flew on the Concorde. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that, was, very that, cool. Was, that was one of the magic things about it. The other thing was that the script of the, uh, mm. the storyline was something that Tim Pope uh, the director came up with, but I also had come up with the same idea and we'd, we'd actually sent letters to each other because it was pre-internet, pre-everything. And uh, you couldn't even call in those days. I mean, you know, you know how it was, it was like a thousand bucks a minute. Yeah, of course. So we actually wrote letters to each other and the letters crisscrossed over the, over the ocean and we were both read each other's script and it was the same thing. It was a really? Wow. Yeah, Pied Piper kind of thing, just building towards a magical sort of gathering around the maypole at the end type of, it was the same, same thing. So when we met, we got along really well and he ended up doing three or four of our videos and uh, marrying my first wife's best friend. And uh, hmm. you know, we, had a, we had a really good time. It was good. That's great. Wow. Yeah. He, he was a major artist too, Tim Pope. Yeah. 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 He was, yeah. A lot of, lot of. He was the first guy to do a continuous one shot, like a three, three and a half minute, like continuous shot. It was a Neil Young video. Oh like, yeah, yeah. With an accident scene and everything like that. And I remember that. Oh that was yeah, I, yeah. I'm pretty sure he was like the first guy to do that. You know, and that was beautiful. Yeah. So was uh, Safety Dance a one shot? Uh, one camera shot type video. I can't remember. I remember it being very, you know, following you along in yeah. the uh, English countryside. Yeah, I don't remember too much about the technical side. I mean, there was, huh. there was, there was, it was like a, it was like a, like a, like a movie kind of crew type of thing. Right. Pretty costly, I guess, back in those days, right? I would imagine. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was raining the whole time too, which doesn't show. It's, it's kind of mm. cool. But oh it, wow, they were blow drying my hair between takes and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Showbiz, baby. That's Hello. it, rockstar. <laughs> <laughs> So what did uh, what what did this thing do to you? How much how busy were you going to be in 2021 and into 2021 for that matter? Well, 2020 didn't change anything for us because we were slated to do a new record. We had taken okay. a, we had unbooked the summer. We had decided to you know we did our last show at 29th of February 2020, and uh, we. Just we we've been isolated for like the last six seven months making a new record. We just finished it. Great. Yeah, and um, so that's uh, that's what we've been doing. So we didn't have any shows booked or anything. We've got shows booked for the end of the summer, starting up. But who knows? You know. Yeah, I know. Who's all involved in the recordings at this point? When it comes my to my brother, the my brother Colin. Okay. Isn't the, the band now? Is my brother Colin, myself, and Show Murray who was uh, in a band called Showcore. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. I know Showcore very well, yeah. 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 And uh, so he was, uh, Colin and I produced it. We also, we, one other person was uh, Colin's daughter, Sahara. Sahara Sloan sang 
sang background, background vocals. And um, show was show engineered it and co-produced it with Colin and I, and, and that was it. And That's awesome. It, yeah. So, so is it musically the new album? Is it like close to the, the roots of the project of the band, or is it uh, something completely different? Or no, it's 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 an electronic uh, journey. It's uh, it's called Men Without Hats Again, Parts One and Two. Oh, and cool. The, the part one is uh, is a covers album, a cover EP. We do wow. We do we do five cover songs. We do uh, we do uh, Lou Reed, Satellite of Love, cool. All the Young Dudes by Mata Hoople, hmm. um, Two Thousand Light Years from Home by Ooh. the Rolling Stones, hmm. and we do uh, Blow It High Doe by the Tragically Hip. Oh wow! Oh, wow. <laughs> and then we do uh, we do our own version, a, a sort of a, a ballady take on Safety Dance. Oh really? Oh, wow. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. That's really cool. That's the first part. And the second part is 12 new songs, 12 brand new songs. Fantastic. That, that we built a huge keyboard rig and it's like, it's all keyboards. Colin and Colin and show play guitar on it, but it's all keyboards. And so did where? you use any, any software since on this or are they all like, uh, like it's hardware? All, keyboards? It's all your hardware keyboards. Yeah. Nice. I mean, there's a couple of songs. There's a couple of soft sounds on there. You know, we've got yeah, sure. all things, but, but no, we had a, we had, we had, I think we had 21 analog synths there and uh, and uh, a nice big rig. It was cool. And that's on really the cool. island, Ivan, are you recording close to where you live? Or you, are you we're recording we're, close to where you live? We, uh, we rented a house on top of the Malahat, which is one of the bigger mountains and on Vancouver Island, overlooking the, overlooking the, uh, the Pacific Ocean, and just did the, that, that rock thing, just renting a house and building a studio in it and recording an that's album. That's cool. And, and you uh, say that was all done during the pandemic. You guys just kind of yeah. just uh, self isolate together, and this is this is how you know some of the best stuff ever gets done, right? Because yeah, you can't yeah. we had we what that's it. We were just in there for six and a half months. Yeah, fantastic. Wow. Just yeah. went so down. And when do you want to have it out by? Like when are we expected it? We're going to start the the first singles are going to start dropping in June. Great. So great. Yeah. And we're going to start. With, we're going to start with the EP. It, it might even be the, the in Canada. We might release the tragically hip one first. So just because that'd be really, I'd love to hear that. That'd be really yeah, interesting. It's pretty cool. I'm, well, I love. I loved your uh, ABBA SOS cover. That was really epic. So yeah, yeah, we've had a lot of success. People really like that. We do that one live a lot too, and people awesome. really, really enjoy it. That's, That's great. So cool. yeah, your version's amazing. Yeah. Thanks. Well, we've kept you a long time, Ivan. I don't. Well, wanna- keep you any longer but uh sorry about all the interruptions but it's been it's been great never apologize quite all right <laughs> no never apologize for technology it's yeah. bound to happen but uh yeah, yeah well i look forward great. to crossing paths in person next time hopefully that'll yeah. be uh you know hopefully we, we were we were slotted to do a bunch of uh festival stuff in canada so if anything crosses uh you know paths uh cool i'm I mean, sure we'll be on some of the same things that'd be awesome yeah for sure mm. Would be awesome. Fantastic. Absolutely. Well, we want to thank everybody for tuning in again. Um, it's been great. Uh, anybody wants to find out more, visit thesafetydance.com, I believe, right? That's there it. You go. How do you like that? Perfect. You know, you know wow. it's a huge song win. So uh, yep. go check that out. You can keep an eye on what's happening and what uh, these guys are up to. And want to thank everybody for tuning in. And uh, we'll see you again here next Tuesday. So You got it. Great. Thanks, everybody. Great. And uh, thanks again, Ivan. Thanks again, Ivan. We'll Thank you, Ivan. Bye, everybody. Thanks, Ivan. Take care. Thank you. Take care.